We're back. Let us talk about uh, Costa Rica. We promised you that in the first segment. It's time to do a little bit um, of geography and um, and travelogue, I guess. Uh, I like to do this every so often. We have we've reported back to you after trips uh, out of the country, several of them in the past couple of years, one down to the Caribbean. Uh, one, well, actually one we didn't tell you about that one of these days we're going to get around to telling you about, but, um, I'm still not quite ready for that one. And we talked about Canada. I don't know. There was one, we were speculating a couple of weeks back about, um, uh, that funny article about how Canada won't be able to absorb all the people that are, uh, disillusioned with America. Well, I, I Canada is not an option for me. I just, if I ever got dissatisfied enough with living in the U.S. that I had to live elsewhere. As much as I like Canadians, I, I think the idea of, you know, it being January and thinking to yourself, God, if I could only go south where it's warm and sunny down to Duluth. That's a grim prospect. But, you know, God bless all those people who endure the winters of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. You know, let alone Yellowknife, Northwest Territories. Now, the truth is, I booked this ticket to uh, Costa Rica on election night. At about 12.30 a.m., when I realized there weren't enough Cahoga County votes to save Ohio from swinging to the Bush camp, at least the way they were counting them, um, I thought it'd be good to go south. So, Costa Rica it was, and uh, God, I just want to note one thing. On the plane down there, I was reading a Discover, and there's a whole bunch of great science articles we're going to get to in the weeks to come, but one little item caught my eye. EPA scientists find engineered genes in wild grasses 13 miles away from a test plot of genetically modified creeping bent grass. The study shows that pollen can carry such genes much further than previously recognized. We're going to get around to going back down to UC Berkeley and talking to Professor Ignacio Chapella, who first discovered this sort of thing was going on down in Mexico with some genetically modified corn. He was, uh, you know, he was just put through the mill uh, with, uh, well, it's a story we'll tell you about in the future. Dr. Chapella was right and, um, you know, he, and, and paid a price for it. Now, there were indeed tons of Yanks on the plane flying down to San Jose, Costa Rica. I mean, it was probably three-quarters Americans. Uh, a lot of them were retirees, but I think uh, quite a few were, you know, escapees, perhaps. Um, uh, there was, I was reading uh, on the way down, and, and for most of the, the time down there, it's quite a thick volume, The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. A guy turned out to be a professor, looked at me, noticed the book in my hands, and, and asked me in the airport, are you uh, reading that for your own interest, or um, just to see how it was done the first time? I sort of had to laugh and say, well, a little bit of both, I guess. I was there once uh, for five days, 15 years ago. I was there in the rainy season. I didn't see much. It rained a lot. The dry season starts about now, and I got to tell you, the, the central plateau, which is about 4,000 feet up, is very temperate. I mean, you know, for being nine degrees above the equator, I was really shocked at how mild the weather was, even out in the coast. Admittedly, you know, the sun's as far away as it's going to get. I mean, it's near near the winter solstice this time of year, 
But, um, you know, it just wasn't that blisteringly hot. It, it might be different, of course, around the equinox when the sun is directly overhead. But, uh, yeah, surprisingly livable. You can get to the Pacific coast uh, in, in, in well under two hours from San Jose, and, and you can get to the Caribbean coast in, I think, about three what I did on day one was get a tour around San Jose from a man I'd connected up with through a mutual friend who's um, uh, kind of a developer. He's been living down there for 12 years. Uh, he did note something to me that kind of struck me uh, that was that the San Jose traffic is much worse than it was. It's much worse than I remember it from a decade and a half ago. He said that um, in the last 12 years that he's been there, the country's gone from 160,000 private cars to 1 million and let me tell you, uh, it's made a difference. Roads, for the most part, pretty darn decent. Uh, up in the highlands, where some of these eco-tour uh, tour activities take place, the communities have deliberately kept the roads in terrible condition. I rented a little Daihatsu uh, four-wheel drive and uh, took some of these. I mean, I mean the road's like... Like a 40-kilometer distance, you know, it takes you two hours. I mean, that kind of bad road. Um, but the communities are smart. They know that if you can't just buzz up, visit, and then blow out of town, you have to spend the night or maybe two nights. Very good for the local economy. Um, I made my first, uh, first stop up in the volcano of Arenal, which glows on clear nights. If you're lucky, you can see lava coming down the sides of the mountain. It's been doing that for uh, a couple of decades. Um, not as dramatic as an outbreak on Kilauea over on the big island of Hawaii, but they tell me uh, quite, uh, quite a beautiful show just the same. I was denied uh, that spectacle, unfortunately, by, um, by the clouds. It is up in a rainforest, a cloud forest. Should note that on, um, on last week's show, we cited an article about Ascension Island, the planting of trees on what was once a very rocky outpost in the middle of the Atlantic, started squeezing uh, so much water from the clouds over the island that um, the garrison stationed there found that, uh, well, their water problems were solved. It had been, it had been quite scarce before. Um, I sort of witnessed this down in, in Costa Rica. You could see that uh, by retaining some of its rainforest, which Costa Rica has been wise enough to do, it does indeed produce a lot of precipitation from the vegetation. It's a feedback loop. I think that originally the idea was keep the rainforest so that the watershed is protected. But now they've realized that people like to come and see these rainforests. They like to see the animals and do things like canopy tours, which, um, which I'll tell you about in a minute. At any rate, having a rainforest gives you a basis for some ecotourism. The Costa Ricans are making the most of it, and, and God bless them. Uh, the canopy tours, though, seem to be the most popular tourist attraction in the country. Somebody got the idea a few years back of going up into the trees and rigging up some uh, cables and then basically putting these little pulleys in the cables and going like a bat out of hell among the green treetops. It's a lot of fun uh, whizzing through the rainforest like that, but it really doesn't have a damn thing to do with ecotourism. You're not going to see a whole lot of monkeys and wildlife as you're slipping along a cable at a high rate of speed. But, uh, you know, it is great fun, and if it brings tourists to the rainforest and they think, hey, it's good to have a rainforest so people can do this and we can make money, well, I guess everybody gains, and including the animals in the rainforest. 
The economy of Costa Rica is doing uh, pretty well. I think a lot of it from the influx of Americans. Um, should note too, there's an there's a there's an English language newspaper published weekly called the Tico Times that I got for about a buck. Um, I noted that notes on page one. Uh, a Venezuelan arms manufacturer was going to make a gun factory in Costa Rica, and people are deciding, you know what? Why do we need a gun factory in a country that doesn't have an army and people are not allowed to carry guns everywhere? On the same page, and there was another article about the fact that Costa Rica was commemorating its 56th year without armed forces. There are only about five or six nations on earth, I think, that of, of significance that have no armed forces. Costa Rica is one of them. And uh, by not spending a lot of money on an army and a navy and an air force, you have a lot more money for roads and schools and development. And I think that is a major reason why the country's doing pretty well. I was somewhat distressed in the capital of San Jose to note among the traffic, uh, which is which is pretty bad. It's pretty bad at this point. But they're building suburbs around, one called Escazú, that did remind me kind of of, I don't know, Roseville? A lot of new development, um, uh, a lot of corporate chains. You know, Tony Roma's has now arrived in Escazú, Costa Rica. Um, you know, when you build a subdivision or build a, a big housing tract out in the middle of nowhere, it means you got to have a car. you got to drive to and from. You don't live in a village. You don't live in a place where there's stores and things you can walk to. So cars become a necessity. Hence, in 12 years, going from 160000 to a million. That, I think, is not a good thing. But all in all, I'd say you should add it to your short list of possible destinations. It's a pretty place. It's a, it's a, it's a very... Um, very easy to get around in location. It's not terribly expensive. It's not as cheap as many other uh, other countries you might go to in what would you'd call the third world. But um, but you know it's it's got better amenities. It's a pretty good trade off, I think. Uh, final thing I think I would mention was that uh, I got a chance to see the Green Flash for only what I think is about the sixth time um, in my life. If you've never heard of the Green Flash, um, it's because we usually don't see it in Northern California. If you're on the coast watching a sunset, watching the sun go down over the ocean, you don't see what you often do in more tropical areas. I've seen this as far north as San Clemente, California. I've seen it in Indonesia and Kuta Beach. I've seen it in Hawaii. I've seen it in Mexico. And now I've seen it in Costa Rica. But as that last little bit of sun goes above the horizon, what is an orange ball all of a sudden turns green. And the one in Costa Rica was the most dramatic one I've seen. It was a green flash. I've seen some scientific explanations for it that I, I think are pretty unsatisfactory. I'm not sure what causes it, but it's, it's a pretty cool thing to see. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Our thanks again to Roger S. Peterson, and I'm really looking forward to having Roger come back and talk about some uh, some great examples of advertising and political language, which I think are going to be pretty doggone funny. Uh, in the weeks to come, we would also like to forward promote briefly that we're going to be uh, visited by Martin Yan of the Yan Can Cook Show, who's now got a show on PBS. Martin Yan is actually an Aggie. I don't know whether you, you knew that. But uh, he, you know, was right here on the UCD campus getting his education. And now he's a big-time chef on PBS. That's going to be a fun one. 
This has been Radio Parallax, produced as always by Mr. Edward McMillan. I'm your host, Douglas Everett, and we'll see you next Thursday at 5 o'clock. Now, stay tuned for Todd and Hometown Atrocities. Oh,